0: Obedience is uh, going to be my title, loving obedience, and how that works out. We're going to go into um, Galatians 2:20. It would be my verse, but we're going to be uh, uh, reading Galatians 2:11 to 2:21, just to get a, in context of why he says uh, what Paul says, and that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And How does Paul come to this conclusion that God loves him, that he don't live for himself anymore? How does he come up with that? What, what is his motive of coming up with this so powerful scripture about the gospel it's not about us but we're here and it's no longer i who live but yet i live but yet it's not me it's christ it's the change of who we are now we were born in this world to love ourselves and to love the things in this world what change happened that now it's no longer paul it's no longer i who live but it's Christ who lives in me, there must be a change that must occur in our hearts. And that change in this is the law. We were condemned under the law. We were condemned by the law. The law condemned us because in the law showed us that we are guilty of it all. As the law would point out that it says, do not lie. Have we ever told a lie? If we didn't say no, we're lying then. The Bible says we were born lying as sparks fly upward. We were born to sin. It's because of Adam. But I can't put that on Adam. It's on me. And how does Paul come to that? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who's in me. Because the I die to the law. Because it's the law that condemns us. The law is just, righteous, and good. But if you, you must do it perfectly. If you break it one time, you are condemned forever. You broke them all. And that's what the gospel's coming about. That's what Paul's bringing in, especially in the Galatian church. And especially who he's speaking to is to the apostle Paul, or Peter. He rebukes Peter in this section. He's talking to Peter in this section. He's not talking to the church. He's saying, Peter, he is rebuking Peter in front of the whole church. Saying, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And he's asking Peter, is that you? Are you living for self? Are you living for Christ? Are you living for the Judaizers? Are you living for your old religion, for the the Jews? Are you living for Christ? And that's the change. That's what we are our conflict is is that do we live for ourselves or do we live for Christ so the question that came about that I came up with or that the book has is that it was a bonus question in the kids for truth and it says how shall we respond to God's goodness in saving us from our sin how shall we respond it's no longer I who live it's Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who knew no sin became my sin is how I should live. I should live because he died for me and loved me and gave his life for me. And I'm the one who is rebelling against him and saying, I will not have you roll over me. But by his grace, by his wonderful, magnificent, awesome grace, he changed me, changed you from the inside out to know the love of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that I would know nothing among anyone except Jesus Christ in him crucified. Is that your testimony? Is that your life now? Is that how you're living now? And that is the question that Paul is telling Peter. Peter, Peter, the the head of the church, the, the one Peter, the magnificent Peter. And that's, he's rebuking Peter and he's an apostle. He walked with Christ. So we see Paul, we are all sinners, all the way to Peter. We all need his grace. We all needed to be reminded of what the law does. The law condemns us. We should not put ourselves under the law. I shouldn't be thinking to myself, well, I need to do this to show that I'm a good person. I need to do this to to show the world that, that I care for them. That's not what grace is. Grace is, it's not about you. It's not about what you do. The grace is what Christ did for you, and it's a representation of what Christ did for you, reflects that out of your mouth, out of your actions, out of your thoughts. That's the change that you have. And that's exactly what Paul's coming to Peter to rebuke him, to tell him, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you leaving these Antioch church to the Galatians? Why are you leaving these brothers who are Gentiles that love Christ? You're going to leave them to go with Judaizers because you are a minister of the Jews. See, he's he's not saying that you're under the law. He's, Paul, Peter ain't saying that. He's doing it through his actions. You see, it's not what I say, it's how I live. It's how I treat what, what comes out of me, what the reflection I have that Christ has done in us. I could say a lot of things. Jesus himself says, "Oh, you, you love me with your mouth, with your tongue, with your words, but your' what? Your heart is far from me. Is that who we are? That's what Paul is telling to Peter. So let's read it. So i give you a little background. Let's read it and see if you come up with that also. And see what what the Word of God says. So let's, uh, Galatians 2, um, 11 to 21. But when Cephas, Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, they drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that when even Barmanus was led astray by their hypocrisy. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if we, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So who is he writing it to? Peter. This is to Peter. He's telling Peter he's not, it's no longer I. He's telling another apostle to remind him that, hey, look at what you're doing. Not what you're saying, Peter, but look at what you're doing to, this, to these people, to these Gentiles. Look what you're doing. You are saying that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, but yet when people come in who are of the circumcision, who are of the Jews, they put him back under the law and say, under the Jewish law, right? They weren't allowed to eat with Gentiles. They weren't even allowed to enter Gentiles' homes. They, were, they couldn't even drink the same wine, Gentiles, the same cup. There were so many laws that, were, that, that they were under that Paul was saying, what are you doing, Peter? Peter, you are taking Christ and saying, well, it's by by grace and by works. You have to be circumcised. You have to be circumcised. You have to live like a Jew. This is not what Paul, Peter, was saying, but what Peter was doing. And that's our problem. Sometimes we do that. Do we put people under the law? Do we make them be like Christ? Do we... Say, okay, this is what you have to do. This is what you must do to be saved. I mean, are, are we putting them under the law? This is the thing. Let's do our checklist on this is what we are commanded to do. No, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If you were saved, you were saved because God saved you. It's not of anything you did. Look how Paul was saved. Paul was going to kill Christians, put them in prison, on his way to Damascus. And what happens? He gets knocked off his horse. Well, I guess, not sure if exactly. He gets knocked down. And the shining light comes and blinds him. He wasn't looking for Christ. He wasn't praying for Christ. He wasn't asking Christ to save him. No, he was killing Christ. He's saying, what are you doing? You're persecuting me. His body, his believers and that's who we were that's who i was i was a persecutor of a church i was a rebellion were you ever seen a hater of god and then romans 130 we're all haters of god how about have you ever seen yourselves as uh being sons of disobedience or how about children of wrath in galatians 2 2 and 3 or how about christ himself says that I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Lawlessness. We think that we're doing things right, but we're doing it for our own selfish, enlightened interest. We're not doing it for God's glory. We're doing it to be seen of men, to say, hey, God, look how good I am. Look at how, look what I'm doing. I'm a good person. We're lying to ourselves. Even Christ is saying, you depart from me. That's what Paul was doing. That's what I was doing. I'm not sure how you were, but ask yourselves. Why did God save you? Why did God take your sins away? Because you saw the need of being saved. Because God done a work in your heart showing you your condemnation. Showing that you can't change. You can't change who you are because you're under the law. You're trying to live righteously, but you can't because you fall short of that perfect righteousness. It's Sin is missing the point, missing the mark, totally off the mark. If you're not exactly bullseye, you fail. And that's what happens to us. So we try to work that mark. That's what we're born to do, is to live perfectly. We raise our kids to be good people, to be good children, to be wonderful adults. We teach our kids not to lie, why? Because they automatically know how to lie. We teach our children not to steal because they automatically know how to steal. That's our problem. I know we go to depravity, we, I know we go to there, but it's because of the law that's what condemns us. That's what shows us that we are condemned. And Peter himself was revealed this also. He's revealed that, look, you are being an unbeliever. You need to be rebuked by the whole church, not going one, one-on-one. It's because he did it openly. He rebuked him openly. That's what we should do to others who say call themselves believers. If they sin outwardly, we rebuke them outwardly. If they sin personally to you, you rebuke them personally to them. That's what he's telling us to do. This is what Paul did. And it's inspired by the Holy Spirit that we are commanded to rebuke those who call themselves Christians but do not act like one and put themselves under some type of law that this is how you get to heaven. This is what you must do. And how many times does Paul remind us in in this few verses that it's not by the law. It's not by the law. Look at 16. 16 was a very powerful verse. It says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Number one. Not by the works of the law, but in faith in Jesus Christ. That's number one. Number two. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Same thing. Twice he says it. In one verse. Wait, we're not done. Not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, what do you think the answer is? By the works of the law, what? No one will be justified. He explains the same truth three different times in one verse. Why? Because we're so prone to put ourselves under the works to be justified by God. How hard is it to live by faith? It's impossible with man. It's impossible to live this life. Even Peter fell. If Peter could fall, any of us could fall. He's the head of the apostles. And this is a great example of showing us us, our humanship, us being humans, us trying to go under the law just to get a little bit, just to get somewhat a little bit of glory. That we're not that bad. And that's the problem that we have. Even as believers, we we sometimes put ourselves under the law. So we have to examine ourselves and have others people rebuke us. We might not like it. You think Peter liked this? You think Peter like, "Go, Paul"? No, of course not. He he was embarrassed. I would be embarrassed, but it was for his sake. It's because Paul loved him. And Paul was showing that your work doing this in this church is not helping this church out. Because look at what number three starts in, in verse three. You foolish Galatians. Who what? Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You see, this cancer goes throughout all the people. And that's why Paul had to rebuke Peter. And that's why Paul had to come to Peter and say, Look, it's no longer I it's not me paul Peter, rebuking you it's not me coming against you because I don't like you it's not I'm trying to find a fault with you so I could be a better apostle than you. you know that's our thinking you know I, I I think you know I don't know if you think like that, but you no know, if I could work a little bit harder, I could do better than someone else i'm not sure what Peter was thinking, but Paul was coming out, look, it's no longer I. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's Christ who's working these things up. It's Christ who's revealing these things in me. And we could see that Paul was was an apostle. He shows that he was with Christ 14 years, three years. Jesus taught him in a cave. He was gone out of Jerusalem for almost 17 years before he went back to Jerusalem. So the gospel that he presented to the Jerusalem council with James was not of men. It was of God. And guess what they said? You're approved. You are an apostle. You were blessed by God. So now you have a ministry to the Gentiles. And that's where Paul talks about in Galatians. He's bringing these charges, saying what happened, and saying that he's an apostle. But yet, he brings this charge against Peter because it's no longer him who lives. It's because he loves Peter, in that he's for the gospel. What does Peter? What does Paul say here? In first, he says that if anyone, if but if if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you. A gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. If someone preaches another gospel, a works gospel, how about a grace plus works gospel? How about 99% grace and 1% works? No, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's exactly what Paul was saying. It's no longer I who live. But it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live in the faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Is that your testimony? Is that why you're here? Is that why you're listening? Is that why you were put on this earth? To love God. So that's why loving obedience is so important to trusting him. To trust in God. Because we need people to show us that sometimes we are disobedient. That's a hard, that's a, no one wants to be disobedient. You tell my, I, I have children, my kids are disobedient. What's the th- first thing they do is say, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Prove it. This is my kids. They're, they want me to prove that they're disobedient. And they see it right there. But the, our first inclination is to say, no, I was not wrong. And that's our problem. That's why loving obedience is saying, yes, I am wrong. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, forgive me. Help me, Lord. And God puts people in your lives to help you. Sometimes it's they're hard, they're harsh, but you know what? Sometimes it's good to be worked on, to be scraped a little bit, to get a little bit... Uh, tough skin on ourselves. It's because we need that. We need to be shown that sometimes we're not living in obedience to the word of God. So, what is our purpose in life? What is it that God has us to do? How shall we respond to God's goodness in saving us from sin? Is to give him thanks. Is to see that it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. Well, maybe I could go to my notes now. <laughs> so what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? So God has saved you. So I'm going to change it a little bit up and say, okay, so God has given you the saving grace that you're not under the law. God has saved you. God has given you this, this new life on earth. That it's no longer you now. It's no longer I who live. It's, but it's Christ who lives in me. And it's not under the law. Now, where do I go from here? What do I do? What, is, what, what should I do now? And that's read the Bible. Read the Bible is your explanation. God will instruct you through the Holy Spirit to understand obedient faith. How to live by faith. I can't teach you these things. Man cannot teach you how to live by faith because man didn't invent it. I could teach you how to drive a car, right? I could teach you how to read, but I can't teach you to live by faith because that's not man-made. It's God-made, and it's impossible with men, but all things are possible with God who would teach you these things. He will teach you these things. So do you grieve the Spirit of God? Grieve it as in Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed in the day of redemption. Grieving the Holy Spirit is not listening to Him. When He shows you things and He gives you an example, you say, I I can't do this. I I don't want to do this. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're not submitting to the Word of God. Grieving it. Or how about quenching it? Not being obedient to it. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Forget about it. How about forgetting about the Spirit? How about you forget that you were ever, your sins were ever cleansed? That's in the Bible. Have you ever come to that understanding that you're just living your life and you forgot who you were? You forgot you were redeemed? And then you get just sucked into the world and someone has to rebuke you or you have to see, what am I doing here? Look at my life. What? what happened and that happened usually in a blink of an eye it just happens you get sucked up into the world you get sucked up in friends you get peer pressure we all have peer pressure we all want to be part of something we're born to be family we're born to have communications and live among one another we're not to live by ourselves the gospel is meant to be a body of Christ, a church, a congregation, people who come to fellowship and to worship with one another and to remind us that God is on the throne, not us. Look, it's not just enough. It's not just enough to believe Christ. There's more to it. There's more to just believing, you know, what the demons believe they tremble. Do we even tremble at the word of God? They believe just as others. But the change is is obedience. The demons aren't obedient to the word of God. Are we obedient to the word of God? That sets us apart from others. That sets us apart from others who say they believe. They believe, but yet they don't have works. We believe and our works shows us our faith, as in James. Look, we must live upon Christ in Him daily. We just live upon Him, eat of Him, talk to Him, commune with Him. So being crucified with Christ, and not living, and not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Now, what? There goes the communion. It's no longer you. It's Christ who lives in you. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live for Him. I live for Christ. I don't live for myself. So let's break down the verse. We're going to break it down to, I have been crucified with Christ. Christ crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. So look, we look at it as that it's the bottom part. So if we take this scripture and flip it upside down, God gave himself for me is number one. God lived a life. God died on the cross. God did all the work. God lived the life that I'm supposed to live. God was born perfectly, without sin. Lived a life in total obedience to the Father. He loved me. That's why he came, to live a perfect life for those the Father would give him, those that will love the Lord Jesus Christ. so so he gave himself so if we flip it so we're going to go from the he i have been crucified with christ now that's the bottom part so i have been crucified with christ i have been crucified that's the last part of it all it's because christ did all the work i've been crucified with christ now let's build build up all the way to god gave himself for us so i have been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live I've been crucified. I have died to what? To the law and to the world. And it's Christ who lives in me. So now I have a new way of living life. That's a grace. Grace. But Christ lives in me. Wait, did you, did we say, okay, God, I'm waiting for Christ to come in me? Did you ask for this? Did, does people walk around in the streets saying, I want Christ to live in me? I'd love to meet that person. That's the last thing I was looking for. That's the last thing Paul was looking for. You think Peter was looking for that too when he was tending the nets with his father and says, Oh, look, look, it's, it's Jesus. I, can you live in me? No, that's not what they were looking for. They were tending nets. Jesus says, looked at them and said, follow me. And guess what? They dropped everything and followed him. That's what God does. You drop everything. It's no longer about you anymore. It's about him that's the grace, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, look, we're working. It's The life I now live, I live in the flesh. This is who we are. We're in the flesh. We're in the flesh. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. Not by the law. I live by faith in the Son of God. That's grace, favor. I live by faith. Who loved me? And gave himself for me. Unmerited favor of God, who loved me. We have to remember that those who said, I always love God, please think about that. Continue thinking. I always love God. The Bible is explicit on that, says, God first loved me. That's why I love him. He begun the work. You didn't love God all your life. God loved you, and your response to his love is that now I love God. Now, that could be, I love God because he loved me. That's scripture. You saying I always love God is not scripture. But you saying that I love God because he first loved me is scripture, is biblical, and that is the truth. You saying I always love God. You're going to have to deal with God at that time. To me, it's a lie, but I'm not, I don't know your hearts. But that's, you look at the scripture and you look at man. And there must be a division between the two. God's above, we're below. We need to be instructed. God always knows everything. He he gave us life, but we think that we know everything. But honestly, we don't know anything unless it's granted from God. So breaking it down that God begun the work. He loved me and gave himself for me. And I'm going backwards now. I live by faith in the Son of God because he loved me and gave himself for me. And the life I now live in the flesh because I live by faith. Now I live in the flesh. My, my new life is li- in the flesh. I live in the flesh because it's Christ who lives in me. And the, because Christ who lives in me, it's no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live because I died to the law. I just went backwards to show what Paul was was saying to Peter, explaining to him, that look, what you're doing is corrupting the church. You are in sin and I'm rebuking you because you're not living for God's glory. So having been. Crucified with Christ, and no longer I who live. What is the purpose of this? And the purpose is, as Paul points out, in the Corinth church. And he says, Paul's telling the Corinthian church that in all of his teaching, his preaching, his missionaries, all of his work that he has done, the main point of his life is the cross. It's knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. I cannot be up here telling you this unless Jesus died on the cross. It's about him. Our lives should be about him in his work on the cross, what he has done for us. Is this our main work in life? Is the cross your main work? Do you live to say that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ? So that gives you the power and the strength through faith. He gave you that faith to live this life out, to glorify Him in all that you do. Even if you're a baker like me, a nobody. And it's okay. Because I live by faith in the Son of God who gave Himself for me. That's the wonderful thing of grace. Grace. That's the wonderful thing of knowing who Christ is, that now I could have a purpose in life and I could live for the glory of God. Do we live for Christ and Him crucified? We live because He lives. We move because He moves. And we have our being because He's alive. You know, we're here because Christ died on the cross. That God didn't kill us when we came out of our parents. That's, should we in God? Every single person who was born should thank God for life. And look at the rebellion that we have towards him. Look at the rebellion that I had towards him. But now you're a new creature. New things, old things have gone away. New things have come up in our lives. So in Acts 17, 28, in Christ we live, we move, and we have our being. To me, that's everybody. Everyone has life because Christ has life. And Christ is the ruler and controller of this whole world. Because he is not far from each one of us is the next verse in Acts 17, 29. He's not far from each one of us. He knows each one of us. He created us. He's God, he knows all things. And what does this mean when Paul says I have been crucified with Christ? We should look in Romans 6. Romans 6 helps us out a little bit in this. And because what it does is that it breaks it down of us dying. So he goes to I no longer I who live but I died. Let me make sure the time so Romans six three. So we're gonna go. I'm gonna finish this up and just uh, make some points. At, and I'm gonna break up Romans six a little bit and just do half scriptures. So you see, your as my beginning is loving obedience. Your obedience to God, your loving obedience is because what He has done for you, you are gonna be obedient to Him. So look at Romans six. Three. Six, three. Do you not know, it says, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus We're baptized into his death? Stop. We have been baptized into his death. We have all who's in Christ died to this world. We have been baptized into his death and we have been renewed in life but we're just going to death right now. So we have been baptized into his death that we all if he died we died because we were in him and if you're in him you died with him that you died to what sin you died to the law that was condemning you Romans 6 6 we know that our old self was crucified with him we were crucified with with Christ you died to self no, I'm trying to bring this in so we could have an understanding is that it's no longer you. It's not about you. It's not about you and what I think or what I know. It's not longer you. It's about him and it's about him in his word. We have to continue putting our nose in the scriptures to understand that it's not about you. And I'm going to keep saying that. Because when you think it's about you, when you think that you're something, although you're nothing, you deceive your own hearts like Peter. Look at Peter. Look at Peter. Romans 6, 8. Now, if we died with Christ, so we've been crucified with Christ, we've been baptized with Christ, we've been dead, died with Christ in Romans 6, 8. Romans 6, 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. I mean, there's a lot of death in there, isn't there? There's a lot of dying here. You've been baptized in his death. You've been crucified with him. You died with Christ. You died to sin. I mean, man, it's a, I mean, you know, God is really bringing out his sword and cutting you up and telling you it's not about you. It's about me. Not me personally, but it's about Christ about him. That's what he's doing. That's what the sword of the spirit does. It pierces. It comes in and it goes to the bone, to the marrow, to the joints. And it's the revealer of all of our intents of our heart. It's the the, the discerner of our hearts. And everything will be open, will be naked before him. And if I have nothing to show God, that I have, it's not about me, it's about him. Look who gets all the glory. Look who gets all the praise. This is what the Bible tells us. So, continuing on in Romans 6, so 6, 3, we'll go to 6, 4. 6, 4. We too might walk in newness of life. So, Romans 6, 3. Do you should know you have been baptized with Christ in his death so that you could, obedient faith, that you might walk in newness of life. In Romans 6, 6, so that you would no longer be enslaved to sin. So you died so you could have new life. In Romans 6, 8, we believe that we would also live with him. It's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me? See, this Bible continues putting the emphasis on not about you, because it's always about you. It's always about me. I want the Bible to be about me. And that's where God says, no, it's not about you. It's about me. And that's what breaks us. That's what has to tear us, tear our flesh apart. Because we want everything to be about ourselves. Romans 6.11. Alive to God and Jesus Christ. So let's read this real fast so Romans 6 3 we'll read it real fast so they'd say do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized in his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in newness of life we died we live in newness of life for we have been united with him in the death like his we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we, know we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin now if we have died with christ we believe that we should also live with him we know that christ being raised from the dead will never die again death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god so that you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus i'm just using this verse as a parallel to say that Paul is always on cue to show that it's not about him. And he has more credentials than any of us would ever have. And that's the problem, that it's taking, ripping the flesh, ripping who we are out of ourselves and having Christ live in us. And it's only through the grace of God. But knowing that is through loving obedience, is obeying God. You're going to know that I love God because I desire to obey Him. I want to obey Him. And that's the difference. That's what changes you to an unbeliever, is obedience. So, I guess finishing up, let not sin in Romans 6 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. You died, now rise again. Think about it. You died, now came, you're a new person, you're alive. You died, now you have new life. In that your members to God as instruments of righteousness. That is how we could tell God and tell others that we are so thankful that the goodness of God and what we could respond to is that saving us from our sin because I died to it. I died to sin. I don't. I hate sin because God hates sin. I love the things God loves, and I hate the thing God hates. And that's what sets us apart. That's what the response is. What is God's goodness in saving us from sin? That God, we die to it. It doesn't mean I don't sin. I hate sin. That's the whole point. My motive is to hate sin. I can't stop myself from sinning. But my motive shows me that I, when I do, I can confess it. And he's faithful and just to forgive me. And that I'd forsake it. Not just that God forgives me but I turn from my sins." So what is it, the response? That the word of the Lord remains forever, and that the word is the good news that was preached to you. You heard the word. God gave you ears to hear. You were saved by grace. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's the good news. That's the good news. That you heard the preaching of the word. And God saved you. God saved you. How shall we respond to God's goodness in saving us? That God preached the word to you. And you believed it. You believed it. And it's producing fruits of righteousness onto eternal life. That you have eternal life. That's the wonderful thing. That's what God has promised. And that's what preachers, that's what we're here to tell you. To explain to you, to tell you the word of God. That you may believe and have that eternal life. And it will be more and more engraved into you. That when that time comes, you know whom you have believed. And I trust in him. That he will do what he has promised to do. Isn't that what I think it was Peter that said when he was dying? He knows. I've committed all things to him. I know. I trust in him with all my heart. I trust with him. I know. And that's what preaching the word, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what is the. To promote, to invoke others to believe this gospel, to look into it, that it grows your faith, that you will be more confident in the time when Christ comes. And it's not gonna be pretty, it's gonna be a fearful thing when Christ comes. I'm gonna be scared. I know I will be, but my faith won't be, but I will be, because I know what's gonna happen. So we should all have that fear of God when He comes. Are we ready? Have you died to sin and alive to God? So, by God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he have loved us, not that we loved him, but he loved us first, made us alive together with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May we live to know Christ more and be able to say with confidence that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave, him up, gave himself for me. So may the Lord bless this word. May he instruct us on what it is to walk by faith. And Lord, please uh, bless the word this day, bless the hearers. And we just thank you for this opportunity to proclaim your gospel, for your glory and honor. Amen.